Hi, this is Patty Negri, and you're listening to The Witching Hour on My Paranormal Network. Hi, welcome to The Witching Hour. My name is Patty Negri, psychic, medium, and good witch, and I am your host for this hour journey into the other worlds. You might recognize me from my regular appearances on the Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures, or my other appearances, um, or my book, Old World Magic for the Modern World. But this, The Witching Hour, is my baby. This is about you. Wait, what is The Witching Hour, you say? <laughs> well, The Witching Hour actually is late at night, somewhere between midnight and 3 a.m., when the veil between the worlds is the thinnest and magic happens. But this Witching Hour is about you. It's about how to bring magic into your life, real, useful, empowering information to bring you that magic to make your life better. And this Witching Hour is, well, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Every week, I'm going to bring you my lifetime of spiritual experiences, experiences, education, and the paranormal. But mostly, it's my amazing guests who are the leaders and experts in the entire... I'm going to go back one sentence. Okay. Every week, I'm going to bring you my lifetime of spiritual experiences, education, and the paranormal but I'm gonna bring you amazing guests who are the leaders and experts in their fields from all over the world. Thought-provoking, entertaining, and informational chats with people who are the absolute best in magic, spirituality, the cult, and healing. So thank you for joining me here on The Witching Hour. Remember, magic really is everywhere. You just gotta look sometimes. I am so proud to bring you my this week's guest. He's a dear, dear friend for decades now, and he really is one of the best in the field. So let me tell you about my beautiful guest, Peter Bedard. Peter, after a short near-death experience, Peter Bedard was faced with the greatest challenge of all, living a life in severe physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. The former dancer soon discovered that the anger and frustration he felt because of his injuries were not only keeping him from pain and keeping him in pain, they were, fuck, I'm sorry, I can't read it. I'm going to go to that one more time. Thank you for being able to edit now and again. It's, I, my light just moved. Okay. After a near-death near experience, Peter Bedard was faced with the greatest challenge of all living a life of severe physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. The former dancer soon discovered that the anger and frustration he felt because of his injuries were not only keeping him in pain, but were waiting to teach him the greatest lesson of his life. Now a celebrated author, consultant, international speaker, and healer, Peter helps thousands of people globally to live a life full of potential while integrating the lesson of pain into their balanced living. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend and beautiful spirit, Peter Bedard. Thank you, Peter. Hi, ah, ah, yes. <laughs> I adore you, Patty. That's I awesome. I adore and you. It has been a few decades, hasn't it? Holy it has. crap. Isn't that amazing? Oh we're 29. Uh, yeah, I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. We met just as babies in the crib. Yes, yes. So... So you have a beautiful book, and I must say, over my book, 
I refer your book to everybody for everything. So oh. you do have this beautiful book, Convergence. I know you have more coming out, and we'll talk about that. But tell everybody, what is Convergence Healing? Well, I, as you know, as you told everybody, I had to heal myself of all kinds of things that the doctors didn't know what to do. You know, they were really amazing at putting my bones back together. They, you know, I shattered my left knee and I split this wrist open. I lost all the nerves in my right hand. I cracked five vertebrae. I had undiagnosed brain damage and this litany, this list and list and list of things that happened from that moment. And the doctors were amazing at putting the bones back together. They had this experimental surgery that was super cutting edge at the time. They flew in 14 surgeons from the NFL. I mean, they did it right and they did a beautiful job, but after that surgery, they had no idea what to do with me. They had no idea how to uh, deal with my chronic pain, with all the other issues that kept happening, this sort of cascade, I call it a pain. And they didn't know how to deal with my emotional side, with my mental side, or with my spiritual side. I discovered in this injury at a young age that our wounds have all, all sides to them. There's a physical side that happens in that wounding. There's a mental side and spiritual side. When I'm working with one of my professional football players, right, they come in and they're having a broken knee, let's say, that bad bone break, but their heads are in an absolute panic. I mean, these guys are just freaking out because they don't know what to do. How, how are they going to be able to play again? Are they not going to be able to play again? You know, they're, they just bought a $14 million house. What's going to happen to their contract? And on that heart level, they are just silently dying because they love this game. They love what they do. Playing football is how they know how to be in the world. And suddenly they may not know who they are anymore. The opportunity that they have of being a football player, of how they define themselves is potentially not there. And so that wound is obviously physical, but people don't pay attention to that mental side, that head side of things. And they don't pay attention to the, the spiritual side of things. So the convergence is really the coming together of a healing dynamic that is on all of those levels, physical, mental, spiritual. And I've been told I teach people how to be their own medical intuitive because we go in and we start building a relationship out of love and kindness with the part of us that is suffering. And we let that part guide the way. Rumi says the cure for the pain is in the pain. And that quote that I read many years ago now really inspired me to, to put down the pain meds, to stop trying to medicate my pain, to stop trying to push it away, to run it away. Uh, run away from it, you know, all that type of stuff and just sit down and address it. And I learned to love my pain. And so that's part of that convergence. And, you know, that's one of the things I love about our relationship is that you understand, you get this, you understand that these wounds are more than just physical. And I ask people sometimes, what hurts more, a broken bone or a broken heart? And I've never had anybody say a broken bone, <laughs> right? So that healing, that convergence is bringing together different people, different resources, different skills that are creating a healing experience that's individually created, guided by that person's pain itself. Wow. Okay. Now, so how can that translate? That is amazing to me. And like I said, and there are so many people in chronic pain for so many reasons. 
Right now, I mean, literally, our our planet is kind of in chronic pain. We are in the middle of a, a worldwide pandemic that, that at this point in time is not getting better. So whether they're having physical pain, they are certainly having emotional pain and fear-based things. How can your thinking help this, almost the general public who's going through times like they've never experienced before? Do they relate? One of my favorite questions right now. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thank I'm psychic. You. You are. <laughs> so I look at pain as being our teacher. And that pain is the tool that this part of us is trying, is using, the part that's hurting, is using pain itself as a tool to get us to pay attention. Right? Unfortunately, in our sort of westernized, Americanized culture, we look at the pain and we don't listen to what's underneath it. Right. We go to the experience of pain and we we don't want to feel that anymore. And oh, my gosh, I'm in pain and it keeps coming and it keeps coming and we get caught up in that experience. And what we need to do is pause because the pain is there. It's getting our attention. It's asking us to stop, to pause, to pay attention. And in that, we have to go underneath the pain because the pain is oftentimes just a tool. So in, in the example of the world that we're living in right now, the world of individuals are suffering generally through this pandemic. People are in a, a many people, not all, but many people are in a bad way. And the pain, I think, is trying to teach the individual this life that you were living before. Is it the life that you came here to live? Are you working for your credit cards or are you working and living in love? Are you working your love? in that field that you love, your passion, your joy, right? The pain is, is forcing people to reevaluate who they are, what they're doing, and how they're living their lives. And that's on the individual level. On the societal level, and then the global level, I think the universe, Mother Earth, whatever you want to call it, is coming in and saying, hey, pay attention. How you've been living, what you've been doing isn't working. It's not sustainable. And so there's this pain that is forcing us to reevaluate, right? Societally, there's this pain that, you know, all these people that have been subjugated by the systems that we've put into place, right? Whether it's LGBT people or, tra or trans people as part of that group, or whether it's a particular color or gender, the Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, all of these experiences are groups of people that have been suppressed and shoved down and beaten up and made wrong. And that can't keep happening. Yeah. Societally, I think the universe, the divine, whatever you want to call it, God, whatever you want to call it, is coming in and it's saying, stop, sit down, pay attention, learn the lesson. And the lesson is always love. Lesson is always love. There's so many forms, so many ways to demonstrate that love. And at the same time, we need to learn that not only individually, but now societally and globally. And so pain has been my greatest teacher. I am so grateful for the pain. I am so grateful that I was slammed into the back, some, back of that semi-truck. Wow. My gosh, what a, some people say, what a weird thing to say, right? I'm so grateful that somebody killed me. Because I got to go on the other side and I got to experience that love and that bliss and that amazing 
oh my gosh, I, I don't know how to describe that experience. I jokingly and very seriously say that dying was the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So you're not afraid of death, obviously. <laughs> I'm not afraid of death at all, uh, yeah. at all. But I really, when it comes, you know, again, when the time happens, it's come close four times, you know, since that initial death experience. And But when it comes, I really, I'm not tempting fate in the sense that I'm living my life and I'm taking chances and I'm taking risks and I'm stepping out and I do things because I know the worst thing that could happen to me is I die. And that's awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And at the same time, the process of dying, boy, I've done that a few times. I really don't want to do that until I have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the process. Right. Oh, I'm oh. so similar. Yeah, I'm not afraid of, of dying at all. Mm. I've been talking to dead people since I was a kid. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> I don't want any pain and suffering along the way. I, I, I'm like that, too. And yeah. I so agree with you about the world. I think it's a big old wake up call. Mother mm. Nature, universe, God, gods, whatever you want to call it. It was like shaking us going, wake up didn't wake up shaking us harder and then had to, you know, throw water in our face really hard or hit us over the head. Yep. And so it, it is the wake up <laughs> I, call. And it just I like, love that phrase. Yeah. I love that phrase. You know, I had a client say that to me years ago. Really? I had this client. Yeah. I, you know, I've done a lot of work in addiction. That's one of the areas that I worked in. Right. And uh, this client came to me as an addiction client, but it also developed a, uh, well, she became an addiction client because she had cancer. She had fourth stage, long-term fourth stage cancer, and she was handling the pain of the cancer and she became addicted to benzos. So she had a chemical addiction on top of her cancer experience. And she said to me that her pain was like a two by four that the universe used to hit her over the head to get her to live the life that she was meant to live. And that's what I mean. If she, in the past, before she came to work with me, she was just paying attention to the pain. Stopping the pain, ignoring the pain, putting the pain away, drugging it, cutting it out, getting rid of it. Her whole life, her whole mental state was focused on getting rid of the pain. The pain wasn't going anywhere. And she wasn't dealing with the causation of the pain. And so when, we, when she started working with me, we started looking at that part of her that was suffering. And the story came out that she was this very high-powered lawyer. And she, like, she came from this family where there was a lot of pressure to be a professional, to step into that type of corporate type of life, right? She founded her own law practice. She would, became hugely successful in that. She was married and she had children and this whole family, but she wasn't living the life that she came here to live. In truth, she never wanted to have a husband. She loved her husband. She did what she was supposed to do. It wrote for her. She got married. She had kids. She never wanted to have kids. She loved her kids, but she never really wanted to have kids. She didn't, it wasn't a desire in life to be a mother. She didn't want to have this high powered legal practice. And yet she was doing all these things in her life that weren't her story. They were stories that her family had written for her. Society has told her how she was supposed to be. And what we did is we backed Paddled. We started to say, well, let's correct the situation. Let's go back in time. Let's figure out what is it that you really wanted to be. And she wanted to be an artist. She wanted to be that free spirit. Mm -hmm. When she started doing that and she started to create 
And she started to play with different materials and just connect with that creative side. She no longer felt pain. The drugs didn't need to be there. And as she lived that life more and more, the cancer didn't need to be there. Isn't that amazing? It's awesome. So instead of listening to the pain and just being focused on fixing the problem, she started living in the solution. And the solution was to live her truth to live that love, to be that joy, to express her creativity. One of my famous, I love quotes. And one of my favorite quotes from Julia Cameron, the author of The Artist's Way, some people know that work still, is Julia says that, (laughs) I refer to her like she's my best friend, Julia. (laughs) Julia Julia Cameron says, the highest compliment you can give to, to the creator is to be creative. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And so she didn't need to heal her cancer. She didn't need to, you know, learn how to be sober. She needed to learn how to live in love and joy. She needed to learn to live how to how to live in her purpose, what she came here to do. Yeah, I I get that because I had uh, my own health problems from my mom being DES exposed and and was I became a victim to it for like fi- between age 15 instead of hitting puberty to 30 and when at 30 I decided I was going to take responsibility even though it wasn't theoretically my fault my mom took this drug everything changed all the illness went away everything and I just I wasn't a victim anymore it wasn't going to serve me anymore so do you also deal with the reason why that illness is serving people along the way so they can get served in a different way oh absolutely and you know I say how you know it's it's not that this is something that is new to me but it's a common practice in my work to say how is this benefiting you and most everybody says well it's not you know my heroin addicts are like it doesn't benefit me or you know people get kind of defensive about it, right? And I say, well, there's a part of your brain that is looking to recreate this experience. And I'm not a brain scientist, but I've worked with a few. And they've taught me that there's this part of our brain that the brain creates what's called brain space. And so whatever the brain is good at doing, it's going to create space to do more of it. So if you're really good at being a victim, your brain is going to support you in that experience and making yourself an even bigger victim. If you're really good at worrying, your brain is going to make more space for you to worry. It will happen. And so the benefit is that there's this, what we call safe, comfortable, and familiar. You may not like it, but to my person dealing with addiction issues, safe, comfortable, and familiar is picking up the drink right? Safe, comfortable, and familiar to people who are, who are used to living in abusive relationships is the abusive relationship. You take away the abuser and the person goes back to them or finds somebody a different name, but the same experience. And they become abused again, because that's how they know how to receive love. They may not consciously like it, but it's what they know how to do. There's a familiarity, a comfort, a safety in those old experiences. Even when I work with people who are in severely abusive relationships, they've described it where having the knife to their throat is more comfortable than being in the unknown of stepping out into the world on their own. And so what we have to do is teach the brain, the subconscious and the body. We have to teach it what it's like 
to step out into the world, to take care of yourself, to live your joy, to be in that experience, to feel it in your bones. And that's really what a lot of my practice is about. It's asking people, and I use tools like uh, hypnosis or neurolinguistic programming or spiritual counseling or um, this type of work that I've been told is like being a medical intuitive, talking to the parts of you and asking the part what it needs in order to heal, right? And most of us are bullies. Yeah. Quite frankly, most of us are bullies. We don't like a part of our body. We don't like our weight, let's say. And so we beat up our body and we tell our body how much we hate it and we're embarrassed by it. We hide it. No, I can't show that. And we do all of these things and we bully ourselves and we speak to ourselves. You know, we're always speaking to ourselves. Mm. There's a way we are always communicating our bodies, our mind, our body as one, the mind body experiences. They are always communicating. And there's some people call it the, the crazy roommate. Some people call it the chorus, right? Those voices that are in the back of the head that have an opinion. Whoever's listening right now, you know, like somebody might be listening and, you know, they're listening because they want to, but that part of their brain is saying, oh God, right? What is going on here? Who is this person, right? And we often give our power to that part of us that wants to keep us safe, comfortable, and familiar. Right. Well, safe, comfortable, familiar is repeating the same things that you've been doing that you're upset about that you don't want to do, which is why you're listening to this podcast in the first place. So if you keep going back to what's safe, comfortable and familiar, you're not going to step forward. And the only way you're going to step forward is if you teach your brain, your subconscious, right, you give it a way to know and experience Right. You can visualize it. You can imagine it. You can think about it. I love your gratitude work. Right. I love that. The, the, the carving into the candles and the abundance and stuff like that, because what it's doing is it's challenging those voices in our head that say money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. You know that you can't do this. And we have to challenge those voices and step into that unknown, that uncomfortable experience. We have to step into that. And in that experience, we can teach ourselves what that possibility is like, right? We could teach ourselves. It's, it's why we do this in sports, right? We have basketball players visualize, imagine, and think about what it's like to play their best game ever. And they're not even on the court. And what happens when we do these studies is their game improves by like 30%. And all they're doing is teaching their brain what it feels like, looks like, smells like, tastes like. Right. They're teaching their brain as they're sitting there on the bench what it's like to feel that uniform that they have on, to see the crowd, what it's like to play that best game ever. Right. And once their brain knows that, then their physical body can bring it into the world. It's a very true statement. Right. Whatever you perceive, you can create. Yeah. No, right. that's because I work off that whole mind, body, spirit, mm -hmm. which, you know, 20,000 books are written on self-help, psychology, spiritual. And that's what my version of spell working is, too. You have to see it, mm -hmm. smell it, taste it. You create it. The mind, mm -hmm. the setting up of the spell. What is it that I need to do? And then you take action. And then that spirit is that little faith or spark or magic or whatever it is Absolutely. that makes it happen. Yes. So, Yes. So, I, yeah, that's why I love your work. That's why I, yeah. you know, I've always like, been so excited about your thing. I mean, that's why I picked up the camera so many years ago now and, and we made those videos, right. Yes. About casting a gratitude spell because yeah. it's, it's your way of doing 
something that is so complementary and tuned in to what I do as a therapist, right? I'm doing it a little more clinical. You're doing it a little more woo-woo, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the beauty of those things, whatever speaks to people, whatever reaches them is the language that we need to speak in our healing work. Yes, yes. Right? And you need to, to, to find somebody who speaks a language you understand. You exactly. know, you really do. Some people are not going to understand me and, so, and they'll go to you and verse visa. And you mm -hmm. also like that in the old theatrical term, since we both come from theatrical, speaking to your audience in the right way too. You know, if you're talking this message to six-year-olds, it's going to be one way. To grad students, it'll be a different way. So, you know, I, I, I love that in the, the move, because again, I see energy, the moving of energy, and you are one of the best energy movers I know. And I have seen you as a client. I'm speaking very, very firsthand. Yes. And, and it, it's amazing. So, so now this, we've talked a lot with physical pain and becoming what, how things are serving us. I know you do work a lot with anxiety and depression people too, which again, that's very fitting into this world we're living in now because there's a lot of anxiety and depression. Yeah. Is, is there things that you could suggest for people to work on that? Is it the same thing or? So my process, what this process in healing myself, it was kind of a download over a period of time, right? I was really suffering. I was super poor. I couldn't afford doctors. I, the doctors, I didn't want what they were offering me anyway, because they were just offering more surgeries and I couldn't take time off from work to have more surgeries. And the suggestion was, well, this might work. Let's try this surgery. And I was kind of, I, I was absolutely, no, I, I don't want to try another experimental surgery. So I was really on my own. The doctors were fed up with me. They didn't know what to do. They would write me prescriptions. I had a stack, literally, I had a stack of prescriptions that I never went and fulfilled because they were stuff that just might help me. I wasn't interested in maybe taking a drug with all the side effects that might help me. So I stumbled through life and I just started to, that you saw me, you know, I, I just, I tried whatever holistic practice I could come across and I just did it and I learned how to heal myself. And so this process, the beauty of the process is that it, it could be applied to any situation whether it's anxiety or depression or addiction or cancer, it's learning to talk to the part of you that's suffering, learning how to listen to that part, learning how to back off and not bully it. Because we mostly say, like in the example of that anxiety experience, right? Don't feel anxious. Well, that doesn't help. Getting mad at that part that feels anxious, right? Being abusive to it, all that type of stuff, it doesn't help it heal. Right. So instead of you, my telling my, me how to heal my anxiety, because if I really knew how to heal my anxiety, I would have done it a long time ago. But I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Therapists, doctors, all these people are telling you how to heal it. Take this drug, do this practice. And these things are valid, but they may, may not be the way that you need to do it. Right. So we go in and we develop a relationship with the part that's suffering. We stop bullying it. We start listening to it and we start asking it these questions. What do you need in order to heal? Because this part is kind of like the 17-year-old rebel, <laughs> right? That they made a mistake, they're suffering, right? And the teachers are wagging their fingers and the principal and the family members and the friends. You messed up. You have to fix it and do it this way, right? Nobody goes to the 17-year-old and says, hey, how do you want to heal this? Yeah. And that's what we do. 
And in the case of anxiety, I, there's a process that I've created for listening, for going within, for developing a relationship. Because anxiety is a fear. It's a worry. And the, the benefit is that part of us is generally trying to protect us. It feels threatened. And so it creates an anxious state to get away, to get out of the threat, right? So we have to go in and work with that part that is feeling threatened. And I don't know about you, but when we love people, when we love ourselves, these parts of us heal. It's a human experience. When we feel loved, we can do anything. Yep. So I ask people to go to that part that's suffering and to give it love, to give it kindness, to give it patience, to listen to it. You know, I, this process I've adapted into um, an anxiety healing process, but I, I just turned it into a book that's going to be coming out in, I think, the middle or spring of next year. And the fun thing is it's called Billy and the Anxiety Monster. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's about a boy named Billy. This is what I teach my adults, but I wrote it in a child way so that adults could get it because there's that part that's always wanting to push back. Right. Well, I kind of subvert that part (laughs) by by connecting with the younger part of us. Right. By speaking to that part, keeping it super simple and addressing the book to that part. And it's a story of me as a therapist working with a kid named Billy and Billy identifies his anxiety and he it takes on a shape and a form. And for Billy, it's like a monster. It's a scary monster. And so Billy actually starts loving that monster. And as Billy starts to love that monster, the monster starts sharing with Billy what it needs in order to heal. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the book's all about. It's Billy and the Anxiety Monster. It's super exciting to me. And it's such a simple process. But we've developed this culture and this lifestyle that we have to attack everything. Mm-hmm. Right? We're at war with these parts of ourselves. And that's not the answer to healing. No. We can't keep doing it on the micro level. And we absolutely, as you addressed, like on the global level, we cannot keep doing it on the global level. No. And sadly, our world has been very much a bully world of the last few years. So it's a, a lot of damage done along the way. So we need a lot of this healing here. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. And I, one of the, this is just fascinating to me. This is so beautiful and it's so needed. I know you also, along with your healing and your healing, your books, you guys check him out, check. We will get to his websites and all yes. that. He really is the best. I send everybody, but you also have a line of teas. You have create your health teas. So, and now that is that something people can tell us about that? Sure. So again, part of my healing personally was learning that I had to heal physically, mentally, and spiritually, right? I had to heal my broken heart. I had to be able to heal my mind that was in a constant panic, catastrophizing, right? In a suicidal loop. And I had to heal my physical body. And I started looking at herbs and I found that, you know, herbs address our mental state. Mother nature has herbs that actually help calm the nervous system is she has herbs that help heal the physical body she have has herbs that help open the heart right there are these herbs out there it's all there it's right there mother nature has it and i said i started going well i want to bring more healing into my life i know i need to do it in multiple ways so i created this experience of tea and i started to blend all these teas for for myself and my clients actually initially Right. And my first tea was called my anxiety reducer. 
<laughs> right? And actually, it was called No More Anxiety, and it evolved into my anxiety reducer tea. And there's herbs in that tea that help calm the nervous system, right? I have a replenishing tea that we call Rejuvenate that we crafted for a hotel in West Hollywood, right? They came to us and wanted us to create a signature tea for the hotel and a tea that would replenish and rejuvenate their guests. The idea is the guests were out all night having a good time and they wanted to give them something that was going to help replenish them in the morning, right? So leaning into mother nature and understanding the teas, they evolved into this. I love that you brought that up because this is like my happy tummy tea, right? Uh, these were in the Oscar gift bags or the nominee gift bags back in 2018. We had just worked on the new branding. This is a mood enhancer. So the herbs that are in here are all about helping balance the brain, right? There's a little bit of caffeine that does a bit of stimulation because I made this as an afternoon tea. Right. To give you a bit of a pickup, but instead of going to, you know, those other energy drinks, those highly sugared, highly caffeinated type of things. So there's a little bit of caffeine, but the herbs in here are really good for the brain. It nourishes the brain. Right. So it was a way that I could bring the goodness of Mother Nature into my life and then share it with my clients and give people an opportunity instead of maybe leaning into a pharmaceutical right away. Again, I don't, I'm not, don't want to bash pharmaceuticals. They have their place and they can do great things. And at the same time, if I could encourage people to lean in to holistic health first, right? There's so much healing that happens. I can't tell you how many clients I've seen that have been on medications for decades and I work with a medical team and we get them off those medications because they don't need them. Once they've actually dealt with the problem, the perceived problem, and they do the healing work, then the causation that was creating the results that was then being medicated isn't there anymore. Yeah, no, I like a hundred percent. Mother Nature has everything. That's why well, I'm being very elemental. Bearing in a very elemental, which I see the strength and calming power of a tree or earthing what people do, get barefoot and hug the tree or pick up mm -hmm. a pencil for that matter. Um, the passion behind fire. And I use all those herbs. They just won't let me in the kitchen anymore. So I burn <laughs> mine, roll mine up in a mojo bag, sprinkle it around, put it in the fire. Just don't put it into the mouth because they don't put me in a kitchen. But all Take the Take a bath and soak oh, them in. Yes. Oh my God, yes. do a scrub. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yes, we have all the answers. Nature has given us. So I, and I'm psyched. So I'm not against pharmaceuticals. So pharmaceuticals mess me up. But like you, mm -hmm. it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it put me on the path that I am now. So I became in charge of what that is. Um, and I agree, getting off weird medications, just my little exercises, my little 30 second, I call them, okay, it's your emotions. Mm, go run your hands underwater. Oh, wait, it's your chatty brain. That's your air element. Breathe, breathe, maybe some valves, some heck of work. Um, we are powerful beings. People forget mm -hmm. that we are powerful. And I think maybe that's why you are one of my favorite people in the world, because you teach people that what they can do what they are capable of, what we as humans are capable of. Absolutely. You know, as a therapist, I had to learn that lesson really early on. You know, it was 17 years ago, almost now. I had to learn the lesson that this process that was given to me wasn't about me. I, I, I don't heal anybody. I have learned and a process and I share it with people and I hold people's hand to learn that process themselves. 
and I show them it. I, I guide them through it, right? I do all that type. I challenge them. I question them. I pull forth the goodness. But it's my my belief, and this is how I look at the, everything in the world, not only as a therapist, but in life, that every single person, whether I can see it or not, that every single person is whole, perfect, and complete. That who they are at the core of their being is whole, perfect and complete. So when a client comes to me who is maybe on 37 Ambien and or all kinds of benzos or whatever kind of medications is presenting the anxiety or the pain, I know that beneath all of that stuff, that who they are is this absolute divine light and that they are whole, perfect and complete. And I take my that approach with everything in my life. Recently, I just had an experience where we were kind of my my husband and I were kind of a we were accosted, and all kinds of hate speech was mm. shouted at us, and people stopped and pulled over and got in our face, and were trying to physically harm us. And the whole time, I just held that faith that I don't know what's going on right now, and I don't know why this anger or hatred or whatever is being addressed to me, but that it is actually good. And that maybe I can't see it, but that there is a wholeness happening right now. Right. And that doesn't mean that I didn't get upset or I did, you know, my adrenaline didn't go up or, you know, I didn't feel attacked or my cortisol levels or, you know, that type of thing. It does mean though, that I was able to forgive. It does mean that I've been able to let that go. It does mean that I was no longer going to be the victim to that experience. Mm. Because I know that the truth of me, the truth of who I am, is whole, perfect, and complete. And what's true for me is true for you. There's no exceptions. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. <laughs> and especially in the face of adversity or something like that, people being mean to you, I'm sure it would be very hard to be sitting there going, oh, you're whole, perfect, and complete you're, as you're beating me up. It's not easy. No. It's not easy. But it kept me from being reactive. It kept me from pushing back. Right? And ultimately, I think because of that, it kept me from the situation escalating. I was able to de-escalate the situation yes. instead of jump into it and create a bigger problem or a bigger issue. And I don't know whatever the lesson that this person is learning or needed to learn from that. I know what I'm learning is to love even more absolutely and unconditionally. Doesn't mean I have to go up and hug that person, but I'm learning to forgive and forgiving for me is not drinking the poison intended for someone else. Because right now, this is less than a week ago, I could be drinking that poison. Right. I could be in that anger and that judgment and that fear. And I could be in that experience, which is poisoning my body. Right. And so for people out there dealing with the COVID experience right now, being angry at it is OK. I'm saying I'm you know, people have this thing that anger is a bad thing. No, allow the anger, move through the anger. That's what I, I had the opportunity to do. I sure I was angry. I'm not like some you know, some saintly figure, I'm a human being and I was accosted and I was angry and hurt. And I allowed myself to move through that anger, right? I didn't hold on to it. I didn't bury it. I didn't make it into a trauma. I didn't shove it down, right? Which causes all kinds of issues in the body. I say, we shove down stuff. It comes out sideways, 
comes out as these addictions, mm-hmm. tumors and stuff like that. You still have to shut. You have to stop shutting it down. And anger is a human emotion. It's on the spectrum of human emotions, and it's a beautiful thing. So many people are being told not to be angry. I'm not telling you that. I'm saying process your anger. Be present with your anger. Love your anger so that it can heal. And know that anger is a physical thing. You can pass it on. And so when you have respect for that anger and you, instead of giving it, you know, I I always like that heterosexual 1950s example of, you know, the boss beating up the husband, the husband beating up the wife, the wife beating up the kid, the kid kicking the dog, the dog biting the mailman, the mailman suing the, the you know, <laughs> this cycle where anger is just passed on from one yeah. person to the other person. It's time to say the buck stops here and I'm going to deal with my anger and I'm going to allow my anger to be released and expressed through me from me in a way that isn't going to continue it in the world. And I think that's one of the lessons that COVID is teaching us, right? Yeah, yeah um, I, I, it, it is. And, and and I like that because too too many people, it's love and light, love and light, love and light. And I'll, I'll gladly go love and light, but no, it's not all love and light, love and light. Right. You know, I have to deal yeah. with things. So thank you for saying that. Thank you. That, that's even my problem getting all the too new agey. It's like, Ah, yeah. it is not all love and light. People life. do this in the holistic world, in the holistic new age, whatever world. People shame each other. They anger shame each other. And they, oh, you have to think positive thoughts. But you know what? Your brain doesn't think positive thoughts. Your brain is always looking for danger. It's always looking for problems. The primitive part of your brain is looking to protect you. That's what it does. It's supposed to do that. It's supposed to look for things that are negative. Allow it to. Now, do you want to give a lot of attention and time to that? No. In your consciousness, which is different, you know, the mind is different from the brain, right? In your consciousness, yes, hold that positive experience, just like I hold that experience of whole, perfect, and complete. But this idea that people have that anger is bad or you can't think that or, you know, you're so negative or that kind of bullshit, it's a spiritual bypassing. And so many people I know, especially my young female clients, they've been told that they can't be angry. Anger is not okay. Anger is dangerous, right? Anger is not pretty, whatever it is. And they start shoving their anger down and they go do a yoga class. Well, that guy that just costed you or hurt you or said those things to you, that anger is there. And doing the yoga class is going to maybe push it aside, but it's not dealing with it. And it's just going to build up and build up and build up. And the spiritual bypassing that is happening right now. Ooh, ooh, no, no, no. People, stop. You know, telling people to think positive all the time. It's just this fake sense of spirituality, right? Yeah. Embrace your anger. My gosh, there's so much energy in that anger. Let that anger be channeled into something amazing. Embrace it. Be present with it. Be loving and kind to it. Allow, you know, let it break something, you know, constructively let that anger be a force that comes out of you and make a dance out of it build a song around it right do write something that is just a beautiful work of art of poetry create out of it don't pass it on to another person let it move through you and be transformed 
and the healing that happens in that, it elevates us. It takes us to the next level. And so shoving it down, the spiritual bypassing, it's a big issue right now, especially in this sort of new age kind of world. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but living in LA, you know, there that whole experience of the further west you go, the further people anger shame you. And the further, you know, closer you get to the ocean, the more their spiritual bypassing happening. Yeah. And yeah. That's not okay. It's not because then you're because you're really still going to hold on to that anger and then you're going to be feel bad about yourself and guilty about yourself and turn into a whole thing because exactly. everything's energy. I, I see energy again. So take that mm -hmm. anger makes a lot of energy. Like you just said, to do something with it, rechannel it, create. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. Just like you fear know, to me and excitement. Are, like fear to me and excitement are they're so equal energetically like oh. that fear you could make yeah challenge you know yeah. you know not fear like somebody's poking a gun at you but like oh i'm so afraid to do this make that a challenge make that something good and it, it changes everything with the tiny perception change yep absolutely absolutely fear is calling you just like i think pain because mm -hmm. people are afraid of pain and they go together in most circumstances and the fear, the pain, it's calling you to your greatness. Stand in it, accept it, be, you know, learn the lesson. It is going to either destroy you and take you down, or you are going to grow and expand and learn from it and be an even greater human being, a greater version of you. You have that opportunity. And that's what fear is calling you to do. That's what pain is calling you to do. And my, that's again, that's my experience. And that's how I work as a therapist. What is it trying to teach you? You know, I've been channeling that energy into creating a labyrinth. I sent you some pictures, right? Yes, <laughs> a beautiful pictures of real labyrinth in your yard. Yeah. That is wanted, amazing. You know, I live out in the desert now and, and I was going to take out a bunch of grass, but I was just going to put down gravel like and i'm like well everybody does that i don't i don't want this yard just gravel and a couple cactuses or something <laughs> you know so i just kept thinking on it thinking on it and i love labyrinths i have been a fan you know i used to take people on labyrinth walks and meditative experience and stuff and i said why don't i make my own and so i've been digging out the lawn and digging out section you know whole path that winds around through the lawn and wraps around a tree and comes to settle at the base of this tree and i've been using this energy right this energy of of frustration that i've been experiencing in the pandemic right of resentment or that type of stuff i'm calling forth that energy I'm, i know it's there and I'm not a saint. I'm I'm a human just like anybody else. And I'm having these experiences that we all are. And instead of letting letting them take me down and make me depressed or make me anxious, I'm channeling that energy. I'm actually inviting it to go out with me and to dig in the ground. And I'm creating this. And it's it's, you know, I think it's probably two-thirds of the way done. I think I have another 40 feet or so. Wow. And it's so satisfying. It's so satisfying. And I don't have this huge yard, but it's probably going to be around 200 and something feet of path wandering through around my yard and around the tree and back into the base. And, and, you know, there's only one way in and one way out. And the, 
the spiritual work of a walking a labyrinth of that pilgrimage that mm. you can take, especially now when we're trying to stay home and we're not going places, to take the spiritual tour to Mecca or to Jerusalem or whatever, but in my front yard. Yeah. Is, is such an incredible gift. And to be with the land and the earth and the tree and the grass and digging it out and shaping it and cultivating, it's 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 very exciting. That's very witchy of you, Peter. It is. <laughs> and, that, <laughs> and that tree is going to thrive. You, I'm sure yeah. you will see that the, all the attention and the energy you're pointing, all this beautiful energy, the spiritual to that tree is going to be so happy. It is. And, you know, I can't wait to find a bench to put under the tree. I'm really excited about that. I want to find a bench that I could just sit at under the tree and just soak in all the, it's a beautiful, it's a mulberry tree. Mm. And so the leaves drop. They're just finally, I know it's already January, uh, basically, but the leaves are just starting to drop from the tree because out here in the desert, everything is really late. <laughs> right? It's fall. It's a very short, very short winter. <laughs> right? So the, the tree is is just dropping its leaves and in the summer it's this beautiful canopy of green right this beautiful shade cooling experience and in the winter it, it the sun just goes through the branches and it's just this beautiful place i'm so excited to sit out there and just to commune with the tree and to be on my little labyrinth journey. So, yes. Well, I can't wait to see the finished pictures because so far they look great. So, okay, <laughs> as we're getting close to winding up, we still have a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. What's next for you? Do you, what, do you know what you're doing next? What's your next thought, plan, need, desires? Well, one of the things that I've been learning, you know, I'm always thinking pain is teaching us. And I heard the calling to come out into the desert. So I, uh, COVID has brought me out into the desert and I love it. There's space. I could breathe. I have, my neighbors are not far from me. I'm in a, I'm in a lovely area, but uh, I have room. Like I have a bigger home and I have a front yard and I have a backyard and my my dog and my cat are so excited. My husband has a studio where he can create his artwork and it's just you know this amazing thing. And being out here is part of the creative process for me where I'm listening to the universe. I'm letting the universe know what I want, but I'm also listening to the guidance that the universe is offering me. And this is one of those things. And I knew that my practice was going to stall in the move mm -hmm. and in the COVID experience. And I just felt called out here. And most of my clients come to me from allopathic doctors. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, all these doctors are referring clients to me now, right? So I'm in a new area. I'm getting a whole lot of referrals just, and I'm brand new here. All of a sudden, you know, people are referring their, their patients to me, right? And I see myself really growing in that area. I have this next book that's coming out. I have a book that I wrote a little while ago that a, um, a, a book company is actually looking for people to contribute to. It's, it's called Cultivating Joy When Happiness is Work. And it's a 30-day process for healing depression. And I'm, I'm inviting other people to come in and contribute to that and to make it a bigger, sort of more full book where it's from my perspective, but also I want alternative perspectives. I want people who have maybe different types of practices who would like to share that practice 
and contribute to the contents of the book. So I have these two books, Billy and the Anxiety Monster and Cultivating Joy When Happiness Has Worked. And those are kind of my babies right now. That you know, rebuilding. And if, if you're looking for people, hint, hint, I know this really great good witch who has these little elemental balancing exercises that kind of exactly. work along with what you're talking about. <laughs> it could be a nice little chapter in there somewhere. Just exactly. saying, putting it in the back of your head, like subliminal work. <laughs> uh, gosh, what? where's that idea coming where, from? Where, where, where? <laughs> no, I had this thought. Uh, anyway, before we get going, you are amazing. Every time I talk to you, again, over the decades, I learn so much and it, it's so empowering. And I'm sure our listeners are hearing the same thing. So how can people find you, Peter? Sure. So if they're interested in that first book, it's called Convergence Healing. It's the cover so people can find it. It is uh, through Simon & Schuster's. So you can find this through Simon & Schuster, through Amazon, through Barnes & Noble, any of that type of stuff. You can... Uh, find Convergence Healing, Healing Pain with Energetic Love. That's my brand. So people can join my Cultivating Joy group on Facebook, just Cultivating Joy, Convergence Healing. They can connect with me on Twitter, Convergence Healing, on Facebook, Convergence Healing, Instagram, Convergence Healing, Convergence Tees on Instagram or Convergence Healing Tees. Uh, I am so out there. And my website is ConvergenceHealing.com. Um, so I would love to have uh, people just connect with me and we're going to be giving away a book or a tin of tea yes, or both yes, yes. at some point. So yes. if anybody is interested at some point, we're going to get some two winners, a book and a tin of tea. So yes, we we'll will be announcing out. how to do that soon. And, and I won't let myself win. No, I promise. We will, we're going to do a contest. How do you know? We'll, do said we'll get everybody to, to, who wants to enter <laughs> to enter and get yourself an amazing book, which is, sits by my bed usually, and some amazing teas, which are in my cupboard. <sighs> they are great. Um, well, thank you very, very much. My dear friend, thank you for making the witching hour that much more magical. Um, I am Patty Negri, again, psychic medium and good witch. You can find me at Patty Negri. I know. I, so one of these days, I'm going to put on my big pink Linda dress and show you I really am. I really I am. love it. You I'm are. Not, oh my I, God, you, <laughs> um, you can find me at pattynegri.com. And from there, you can get to my YouTube, Patty Negri Psychic Medium on Facebook, at Patty Negri Twitter, Patty.Negri Instagram, all the usual places. I do have a newsletter. You can sign up on my uh, website and I send, I say monthly, I try to do it monthly, um, just ideas and things you can do yourself to, again, make your life that much better and that much happier and that much more empowered. Because what I always say, it's like, you have the power. And if you don't, figure out who or what you gave it away to. So, who, who or what you gave it away to. So, thank <laughs> oh you gosh. for listening to The Witching Hour. You can hear me all the places that you find podcasts. And when is The Witching Hour? It's right now. Thank you. Patty Negri and signing off. Thank you, Peter Bernard. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. My Paranormal Network.